by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors, where we like to give you all the information you need so that you don't have to have questions, but you'll still have questions guaranteed, and that's why we bring in the A-Team from Wyoming Game and Fish Department, Janet Millick. Uh, every week you're here with us because, well, you're the the ringleader of the A-Team. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to take any um, association with that at all, but thanks, Drew. So we started the year out with, you know, a pretty good outlook on 2023, and then all of a sudden winter decided to rear its ugly head. And Justin Benfit is with us also. We have, have talked multiple times already this year, and every time we talk, it gradually gets worse as far as the outlook for the wildlife in uh, in 2023. And and the Internet is full of rumors and full of theories, so we wanted to get it right from Wyoming Game and Fish Department today about the where we're standing now with the state of wildlife here in Wyoming. Well, Drew, you know, like when we first talked back at the very beginning of January, I, you know, like I said, I think I said this before, but I, I kind of take credit and jinx in us because I, at the time it's like, ah, we think things are looking pretty good. Um, no reason for any kind of concern. Looks like a moderate winter, that sort of thing. And, and animals, you know, the saving grace was, is, is in a lot of the state animals entered the winter in pretty good shape. We, you know, we call it good nutritional body condition. So does, you know, pregnant does, cow elk, that sort of thing had a lot of fat on their backs going into winter. So things were looking pretty good, but as as J- we got through January, it's like wow, we got a lot of basin snowpack in a lot of places, more so than normal. And then as we got into February, it kept piling on, and and then you know with a few a few warmer days with some sun here and there, which you know put that kind of crusting layer of it, you know where it turns that snow into ice, and we actually had several layers of crust in that basin snowpack, and then. As we, as we started going through our season setting process where we, you know, formulate our initial recommendations and evaluate population trajectories and kind of what we're thinking for the next fall in terms of, of issuing licenses and season lengths and that sort of thing, we think, okay, yeah, this is kind of a, a tougher than normal winter. And boy, by mid-March, you know, then, you know, really, you know, some of our regions were already really realizing that it, even ahead of us here in Casper. Um, just based on what they were seeing. And then by the time mid-March, it was like, boy, not only is this a severe winter, this is one of the most severe winters, if not the most severe winter we've had in a century. So, um, yeah, it's been a real challenge, but it also depends on where in the state you're at because not not every part of the state um, dealt with the same winter severity. One of the the things that I've seen online a couple of different times is that entire herds of deer and antelope were wiped out because of this winter that we had now is is that a confirmation or is that just kind of speculation from people well again it really depends on the part of your the state that you're talking about um when folks say entire herds you know that means different things to different people they some folks may think of a whole group of deer or elk or antelope or something like that but um that's not really how how we look at things you know when when we define ter- herds we we're talking about an overall like a deer herd, like a herd, like a management unit that we use. So 
So in some of our deer herds and, and antelope herds in parts of the state, we are experiencing extremely heavy winter losses. So kind of to paint the picture, like from Bags to Rollins to Jeffrey City to Lander, um, parts of Green River and then Kemmer, Pinedale, Big Piney, those areas in particular got hit really, really hard. So in those areas, we're expecting um, really, really substantial winter losses. And, you know, I think I think we spoke once, but we, we do have this new mule deer monitoring package that's really, really cool, is we put out um, several hundred callers in five different, we call them kind of index herds. By doing this, it, it allows us to kind of gauge survival um, in these different areas. So when we when these call these collars are put out, if an animal goes on mortality, whether it's you know killed by a predator or whether it dies from winter loss or disease or whatever, it sends us an alert and we're able to track in real time how many of our animals are still alive and how many are not. And and so that's really, really helped us have a good understanding of what this winter is doing to deer in a lot of places in Wyoming. And one of the things that we're seeing, like, you know, the worst of the worst is over in far western Wyoming in our Wyoming range mule deer herd. So for folks that may not know, that's that Kemmer to Big Piney, Pinedale country all south of Jackson. And there we've lost basically 100% of our fawns and we've we're now lost over 50% of our adult females um, uh, and, uh, and almost there with, with adult bucks as well that have been collared. So that's not to say that means 50% of every adult female in that entire herd of 30,000 plus deer or whatever but that is that's a pretty good subset so it gives us a good idea that it's probably somewhat on par with that so just a few days ago i saw uh, a factoid that said this week was the first time in a hundred and some odd days that big piney has been above 50 degrees does that affect the population of the wildlife as much as the the deep snow and the lack of i guess opportunity for food yeah, it certainly compounds it. You know, when they have to expend more calories to, you know, we say thermal regulate, but, you know, just to just to keep their body temperatures up, in addition to all the demands of pawing through that snow just to find forage or just to move around, yeah, it really adds up. So the cold temperatures on top of that deep snow really do compound the effects of it. And then, and then of course, it obviously prolongs the, the period of the time the snow is on the ground as well. Really, the, the wildlife right now have a lot of things working against them. We talked about the chronic wasting disease a, a couple of weeks ago. We've talked about the cold and the snow, and and that may impact what some of the um, hunting seasons look like this year. And Brian Olson is also with us. And, Brian, I know that, that there's been a lot of work with the commission to really come up with the best solution for all of these uh, hunting seasons. You know, Drew, and a lot of our field folks <clears throat> across the state have been out either ground, you know, truthing what's going on out there, and but also taking some, doing some flights too to find out, you know, what's going on. A lot of these areas that we can't get to on critter numbers and things like that, and especially for, you know, antelope and deer across the state. And uh, meeting with the commission, um, it was, you know, real relevant how, you know, how many you know, license types that were cut across the state in those areas that actually saw the most um, severe winter. It's a drastic number of, uh, especially, you know, the female segment of the herd, the Dauphin segment of the herd is, is, is taking those out, you know, of the hunting packet type of thing. So there'll be quite a bit less of those available um, this coming fall. And I know that 
that there are some people that are kind of rubbed the wrong way that maybe they won't get a license this year that normally they would because the numbers are, are so low. But then you have the ones that conservation is key. And that's why the commission does what the commission does is to protect the conservation and the future of hunting here in Wyoming. We had a pretty unprecedented number of comments into our regulations this year. I can just tell you the vast, vast majority of comments to us and concern that was expressed by the public was about, you know, basically advocating for more conservative hunting seasons. I mean, you know, by and large, the the, the hunting and fishing community in Wyoming really gets that and, and really strongly supports license reductions and, and being conservative when we need to be just to help help our populations rebound. When you peruse through social media and online uh, verbiage, Sometimes it's not great, but sometimes people throw out pretty interesting ideas. Justin, this year, because it's such a going to be such a reduced season, some folks have said, well, let's just cancel the season altogether. I mean, is that really a possibility or would that help? You know, we would we're a long ways from any kind of extreme drastic measure like that. I, I think that would be extremely precedent setting for us and, and really frankly just not necessary. I mean, our seasons with, with especially with deer and antelope are, are just so conservative now in the vast majority of the state. Uh, so I think with the conservative seasons we have in place, the fact that the majority of them are going to be male only harvest situations, we still think there's plenty of opportunity to provide for the sportsmen and women of Wyoming. But what about the areas that maybe didn't get hit so hard? Do those numbers still look pretty good on the deer and, and antelope numbers? Some of the parts of the state that experienced a much more moderate winter were like, say, the Cody area, the whole Bighorn Basin country, and a lot of southeast Wyoming, like Laramie, Cheyenne. Um, you know, mule deer, been, they've been kind of on a long, slow, steady decline for, oh, you know, the past 25 years. So um, we've been increasingly conservative with a lot of our mule deer seasons anyway. I guess it just depends. Brian, we've talked, now would be a good time probably to go and maybe research what the commission says so you have a better idea of where to put in for your license this year. Yeah, like I say, people have till the end of May, you know, next week they'll have that online and then they can see what kind of, you know, cuts are made across the state. For those areas that you put in for every year, it would be, this would be a, a really important year to actually go on and look to see what is available in those hunt areas. Um, there are some areas in the state where they actually reduce the season length also. So that's another thing that, you know, doesn't usually happen um, very often on season length changing uh, as in drastically changing for the number of days that the seasons are open. Um, and just the number of licenses available in some of those areas, especially for deer and antelope. Um, it's uh, highly recommended that, that you take the time to go online and check it out or call your local game and fish office or game fish personnel to uh, give you some advice on maybe some other alternative places to go hunt this year. With this year being so strange and the number of licenses being so low, how far in, a, in, in the future will this affect the hunting here in Wyoming? You know, Drew, that just depends. So, you know, typically is what we see is coming out of tough winters like this is, you know, we fully anticipate in a, in a lot of those areas for deer and antelope herds that we're going to have fawn production to be pretty tough in a few of those areas. The good news is when you have such a tremendous amount of snowpack, and, and the thing about this winter is that the snowpack in the low elevation basin country 
is actually relatively much higher than even up in the mountains and the higher stuff. It's a it's a good news. It's good news for wildlife habitats for the next few years for sure. Janet, it's been a, a wild hurricane of a whirlwind of uh, time over the last couple of months with meetings, public meetings, and and information uh, on a on a very interesting year. Absolutely. And, you know, we just want to remind people to keep tuned in and then we'll keep giving them any information that they need. And as a reminder, any game and fish office across the state is here to answer your questions. So even if you live in Casper and you hunt in Pinedale, don't hesitate to call. This is going to be the year that you want to make sure that you're checking, you know, everything out, making sure that you have written permission. If you're going on private land, there might be a lot of landowners that are are going to maybe not give permission this year. So make sure that that you are um, in the know before you apply so that you're not disappointed in the end. Awesome. Janet, Brian, Justin, thank you guys again. And we'll get you back up to date very, very soon. Keep listening in the coming weeks as we break it down even further as we get closer and closer to that license deadline at the end of May. Brian Woodward from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports coming up. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Welcome back to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Brian Woodward from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports with us now. And Brian, you uh, got to go out and put a line in the water this past week. Yeah, we uh, had a chance to get down to Glendo for a day, and then we uh, spent a little time on Alcoa this weekend with the Tough Man Tournament. Yeah, so obviously it's, you know, water's open at both of these locations, but it also uh, maybe leads me to the question, how's the fishing? <laughs> well, spring fishing's always a little uh, touch and go, right? I mean, we still have a lot of storms that are kind of rolling in. We've had a little bit of rain, so sometimes those storm fronts kind of throw things off. Um Glendo's actually fishing pretty good. Uh, different parts of the lake have got some, you know, spawned out fish and some pre-spawned fish. And uh, in my experience, you know, right after the spawn, they get a little tight-lipped. But um, so we might see a little bit of a lull here in the next couple of weeks down there. We obviously are, are to the point now where people are transitioning. The weather's been good. We haven't had any of that uh, snow or ice or really terribly cold weather. But now it's like, okay, let's get out. Let's do camping and hiking and grilling. I mean, you guys are starting to carry the new line of Pit Boss smokers. Yeah, we just got those Pit Bosses in, and we're really excited about that. Of course, we've carried Trigger Grills for the last you know, 10, 15 years, whatever, however long they've been around. We've, we pretty much have carried them, and it's been a great line for us. But uh, after uh, reviewing these Pit Bosses, and we're, we're carrying the upper end. Uh, I think the Louisiana Grills is, is what their, their kind of their platinum-level grills are. And these aren't the grills that you're finding at Home Depot. I mean, these, these things are solid. They've got 28-pound hoppers, uh, stainless steel shelves. Uh, yeah, you can just see that they're they're built well, and they come in just under you know a lot of times the the price of the the higher end uh, Traeger grills. Now, are you carrying these pit bosses in addition to the uh, the Traegers? We are. Um, we sell Traeger pellets and probably the cheapest in town on those Traeger pellets, and so um, hard to beat them and for their quality, but. Uh, yeah, just a, just another supplement to the, the the pellet grills and give customers just a little bit more option. And obviously, if you come in and look at the, the grilling section, there's a lot of grills to choose from. And you guys have all the utensils and everything that anyone would need to have a grilling night. You got it here except for the meat. 
Well, the nice part is, you know, with like Father's Day coming up in June and uh, if, 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 if dad owns a grill, you know, it's nice to add some accessories, you know, whether it's a, a chicken throne or a rib rack or, a, you know, a wing rack or even just some spices. I mean, it's, it's kind of nice just to kind of add to add a little gift for dad for that that time of year. So let's say you're going to take some of that walleye that you caught this past week and you're going to put it on the smoker. What seasonings are you putting on it and what pellets are you? Using. We don't cook the fish for very long, so I don't think that the pellets necessarily matter that that much. Um, a lot of times we'll just use a mesquite. I, I tend to like to take a cookie sheet uh, pan and line it with foil, put all my walleye fillets out on that pan, put a little sliver of butter on each one of those walleye fillets, and then put um, some lemon and then an onion, uh, just a, like a red onion on top. Yeah. And then I, th- I, I smoke them. And a lot of times you're only smoking them, you know, pretty low heat, but, you know, 15 minutes at the most, just so that that nice white flaky meat is just just flaking just perfectly. I, I can see you salivating mm, right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say you don't cook very long. I mean, are you like 10 minutes? Yeah, 10, 10 like 15 minutes probably. Anything you need to, to smoke, you can do it right here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And we talked about the fact that it's getting to be that time to get out and do some hiking and camping. And last week I took a drive to kind of look and see what you know some of the places like laramie peak where i like to go and camp because Mm -hmm. my cell phone doesn't work there and uh, (laughs) but there's still a little bit of snow there but within the next couple of weeks with the weather that we're having hiking and uh, camping is definitely going to be a a must yeah and we talked last week you know i mean we've got you know a good lineup of uh, hiking boots from danner uh some some lower cut ones where you know then maybe you don't have to take out your hunting ones that are a little bit higher but uh, something good ankle support and then again we've got you know a big shipment of coleman so we got all those road trips so like you know that you would use your football games or just that'll fold up and fit in the back of your uh, your suv pretty easily so we've got a good selection of that stuff just you know a lot of these uh, park reservations you can you can make 90 days out so you know alcova your county parks uh, you can reserve those spots out 90 days and i think at glendo's uh, the state parks uh, you can also do that so Get your reservations in, give yourself some time, get planned, get yourself a tent, your sleeping bag, and go enjoy the outdoors. You know, I've spent a lot of time in the Laramie Peak area and in a lot of areas where hiking and camping is is popular. And one thing that I get a little nervous about is the fact that my cell phone doesn't work and I don't have any service. I know that there's the Backcountry SOS app that if you have, if you're in Natrona County and you have a little bit of service, you can get a text out. Garmin and some of these other companies have been putting out the satellite messenger. Uh, they're just devices right. that work off a satellite, so you don't need that phone signal. Yeah, you know, uh, I think you know one of the first kind of devices, you know, was like the SOS, right? And so uh, you, you guys used them snowmobiling a lot and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, hit a button, and you know there'd be a, a satellite message or you know to the local dispatch. But uh, Garmin recently purchased uh, InReach, and InReach did a lot of that message messaging stuff. So now a lot of the Garmin units um, actually are intertwined with the InReach system. So there's there's still messaging functions available as long you have satellite communication which you almost always do they've also got some other new programs like the well the garmin uh, mini or now zolio and those are ones where you kind of use your phone to 
programmed the message, it Bluetooth to the unit. So just like a text message that you would send to somebody and there's different plans. You can set them up, you know, monthly. So you, if you're just going to activate it for a small time, short time, or, um, you can activate it like for a whole year. Sometimes the whole year gives you a little bit less per month, but the plans aren't very expensive and it does uh, give you the opportunity if um, if your spouse is wanting to kind of track you when you're in Laramie Peak to make sure that, you know, if you're going on a 10 mile hike and after a mile, there's no more, you're not moving you're, anymore. You're not talking to me, right? <laughs> and this is your help I just fallen and I can't get up button. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. So it's, it's really important survival gear and, and, you know, the items that you need. First aid kits and, and these GPS devices, I think, are a good option for you to come in before you head out. And I know a lot of people are going to do side-by-side riding and, and quad riding this year, and it's good to have that there, too. Yeah, you know, the the neat function with these new garments with the with the SOS features is that, you know, a lot of people are just putting them in their vehicles for, like, winter months, you know, and... Yep. and just in case, you know, they were to go off the road, you know, between here and Rollins and they didn't have phone service, you know, that they've got that unit maybe in their glove box during that time frame and they can always hit that SOS button and, you know, get dispatched to highway patrol or whatever. So it's not just for hunting. It's not just for hiking. And there's a lot of multiple uses for them. Well worth the money to be safe. And you can be safe by coming on in here at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. It's Wyoming Hooking it's and Hunting Outdoors. It's Drew and Brian back with uh, Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, your outdoor stop. If you're looking for anything hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, just uh, for your your dogs, your animals, whatever it is, you can get that here. Not a whole lot of ball sports except for uh, fetch toys. That's right. We got some. We got some tennis balls for Fido. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we were just talking, and your dog is actually with Bob at Riverbend right now, and and for the summer it's going to be trained up. So there's no. Well, I got to be home to let the dog out. I can stay out fishing <laughs> a little bit longer now. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, Bob out there uh, runs the uh, Riverbend Roosters, and he does during the summer months. That's that's what he does. Is does a lot of dog training, and um, we actually got uh, Yellow Lab from him this last year, and uh, the dog's almost eleven months old now, and uh, we got him out a little bit over the the you know first season with him, but uh, we're gonna get a little more uh, obedience and some. Uh, different uh techniques down that uh, i just don't have time to so you have uh you do have two dogs and scooter's a little older what is he seven eight nine, years, nine yeah. years old yeah, right. so he's pretty polished and knows what to do when he goes out did bob take care of, of scooter too no we actually adopted scooter when he was uh two years old and um Obviously, he had some good uh, breeding lines. I mean, he has a good nose on him, and uh, he listens well. So um, he actually just kind of picked things up just with uh, the amount of time we spent in the field. So what will be the difference between the scooter training and, and the training that Jaeger will get with Bob? I mean, will it be quite different? Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, I hunt a lot of fields um, in terms of like waterfowl, so geese and that type of stuff. And um, a lot of times we'll have multiple birds down at one time. We might have a bird that's wounded that's kind of walking or running off or flying off. And, you know, sometimes the dog will go for the closest bird. Sometimes they'll go for, you know, they'll go from one dot, one bird to another. Um, but, you know, we really want them to go after the bird that's injured or the furthest bird away first. So uh, this hopefully by the time we're done with with uh, 
a Jaeger is that we'll be able to send him to a specific uh, mark or a specific bird and pick that bird up first and kind of, you know, play baseball with him and, you know, send him to first base, send him to second base, then send him to third base and have him pick up the birds in a in an order that we want him to pick them up. It's always amazing. And, of course, a lot of uh, outdoor enthusiasts and dog owners that – uh, really, it, it's fascinating to, to watch the trainers and, and everything work. So since Jaeger is there, that gives you a little bit more time to get out on, on the water and do some fishing, which you did get a chance to do at Glendo last week. And then this week, uh, just what today or yesterday was the tough man up right. at Alcova. Yeah, so, I mean, the weather's uh, been cooperating. You know, it, it uh, hasn't been fantastic. There's been a few storms that kind of have ran through. Um, so kind of pick your days. But, uh, you know, it, it's still early, you know, so we're kind of just working out the bugs, making sure we got our, our rods and reels uh, re-spooled and ready for this year and go through our tackle and make sure that, you know, we replenish um, what we are missing and check the batteries on the boat, you know, make, put some new fuel on the boat, you know, just all that, all that kind of stuff. And getting the boat out, you know, it ran, it ran good this last week. I was happy. It, uh, you know, didn't have any, any surprises that we were, um, that weren't aware of anyways. And uh, the fishing was okay. Um, I think uh, Alcova is still a little slow, and it's kind of hit or miss on the walleye side. But um, there's definitely some, some good quality fish in there when you find them. The trout are sometimes hard to keep off, uh, which, you know, from a boat standpoint is, uh, is kind of fun. It definitely keeps a guy busy. But uh, the walleyes down at Glendo uh, kind of – hit or miss in terms of like when you find them stay on them you know i mean if you're right uh, jigging a minnow this time of year it's pretty hard to beat i was being a little stubborn when i went out and uh you know pitched a minnow for a little bit and i'm like yeah i'm gonna try a mr twister now and i started running a mr twister and just slow rolling it across the bottom and balancing it and picked up a fish so i'm like eh, i'm gonna i'm gonna keep <laughs> using this and i never changed back I, I ended up catching two and my buddy caught one and um we stayed for a couple hours and uh you know, made the drive home and did more honeydews when we got home. Which, and you all, obviously, at this this time of year, you get into the midsummer and you're in full fish mode. Now you're kind of reviewing your trip. But, all right, should I not have been so stubborn? Should I have switched over back to the minnow? Uh, and, you know, obviously that's the great time to, to think about what you should have done. You know, I'm not in any competition for how many fish I catch. You know, I, I mean, I was out there with my buddy Ben. We just had a great day just talking and, you know, um, just just enjoying the day. It was really a beautiful day. We were able to be out there in a sweatshirt, you know, so we weren't loaded up with a bunch of heavy, you know, gear. Didn't have to wear gloves. I mean, it was just nice to be on the water and just enjoy the day, you know. And, and sometimes it's not about, you know, we talk about the fishing isn't always about the, the catching, you know, right. it's, it's just about yeah. being out there and enjoying, enjoying life. So we have got uh, just a couple of weeks, which, you know, I, I hate when people say, man, time is just flying by, but literally time is flying by so fast <laughs> that uh, we're two weeks away from, you know, the, uh, the stampede, the right. walleye stampede. And, and I know that there are guys that have been chomping at the bit to get out there anyway. So I'm sure that Glendo is just full of boats. Well, last week, I mean, I was I was shocked. You know, the whiskey boat ramp. I mean, we we got the last spot at the very top of that ramp on the on the high water ramp, and the low water ramp had another twenty or thirty boats there, and that didn't include the number of guys that launched from Bennett 
Reno or uh, Elkhorn. So yeah, there was a lot of boats on the water. It's a it's a good time to uh, to be fishing, and you know we've talked a lot about you know making sure that you're prepared, and you had mentioned making sure that your rod and reels and and everything are, are good. But we're not joking. You don't want to waste fishing time. Because you have a jammed rod or, you know, your boat's messed up. Or you forgot your buddy stepped on your reel and you got a bent reel. And, you know, I mean, you just, yeah. I mean, it's easy just to jump in the boat and go. But then, you know, like you want to, you want to be able to enjoy it, right? So, you know, you don't want to jump, go grab minnows and then realize that halfway down that your aerator is not working or your batteries ran out. Or, you know, just being prepared is, I mean, makes a day go, I mean, much more enjoyable. So when it gets time for the, the tournament in a couple of weeks, you'll position your camper down at Glendo and you have that throughout throughout the summer too and you used it this weekend and obviously that has been stored up for the the winter as well do you have any issues there no I mean as long as you winterize them properly you know that's uh you know make sure you drain your hot water heaters and blow the lines out so you don't have you know I did notice and it happens we have an older camper it's like a 2008 and uh it's got linoleum in there and the over the winter sometimes that linoleum will expand and shrink and actually crack and so i've got a new crack and then linoleum that you know once i get it set up i'll i'll probably work on you know putting new linoleum back down but or something or something that maybe will be a little more durable than the linoleum but um yeah you know just getting it prepped and you know going to the grocery store and getting your you know filling up with your canned goods and just kind of you know things that you won't starve with you right know? <laughs> <laughs> you know the biggest uh choice you have to make is do I take the camper first or I take the boat and fish and then go back home and get the camper? Right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we, we're fortunate. We've got a spot down at Glenda. We're able to leave it down there for a few months. And But, you know, I, we, we use that camper, you know, as kind of our home base when we go to Seminole and Boys and Reservoirs. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it down there through the, you know, 4th of July weekend and then we'll bring it home and clean it up a little bit and then we'll take it to Seminole and then we'll be there for a weekend, come home and... Um, we then we'll probably spend a little time on the mountain, and then we'll you know go back and you know hit boys in for our championship, and you know it's just it's, it, we talked about this before. You know, like we're, if, if you're an outdoorsman, you're just rotating your garage through different <laughs> different seasons. You know, yeah. I was just thinking the other day that I'm going to have to get uh, a storage unit. Because, you know, I feel like I'm just collecting so much stuff that it's like rotate the winter stuff, come back with the summer stuff. Yeah, and you use it for a couple months, but you like, you know, you have to have it. If you're going to be an outdoorsman, you know, I mean, like I've got a trailer full of goose decoys, you know, and I, I could throw it all in a storage shed but and then use that for something else. But, um, yeah, you just kind of rotate through different, you know, bird season, waterfowl season, upwind season. Now you could do a little ice fishing in there. Then you got some yeah. open water, but then you want to get a couple camp trips in there. And then you got family vacation somewhere probably. And it just starts all over. It's a vicious cycle. You know, living a good life is really, <laughs> it, it's strenuous, you know. It you, is strenuous. You, you got a little <laughs> pressure on your, your mind there. But uh, no matter what you do this, uh, this summer and if you're getting out fishing like you heard, the fishing is open most places, and, and we're, we're rocking and rolling. Yeah, you know, uh, a few things, like just even locally, you know, the, the, the amount of kokanee that they've, they've put in Alcova now, um, a lot of guys are pretty excited about trying to trying their hand at catching some of those kokanee. And now that they've, you know, put 
I don't know how many how many different loads. They've over over a hundred thousand kokanees up in Alcova now. Uh, people are starting to pattern those things out, and like even to me, like I'm not necessarily a big trout guy. You know, mm. I don't find a whole lot of challenge in trout, but kokanee are a little more intriguing because right. they're you know a little bit deeper. They got soft mouths. Uh, you got to find them. They school up. You know, pretty pretty good. So that's kind of intriguing. I, I want to go give it a shot and you know put put it to the test and uh, see if I can't catch a couple of those. Yeah, well, if you go back uh, on demand and, and listen to a couple of weeks ago, we talked a little bit about Kokanee, but also we did talk about uh, you had some guys that were just in town mm-hmm. and they were going to go catch Kokanee uh, at the gorge, I think, right. and you set them up right here. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we were... We're trying to expand, especially our, our knowledge and just our, our uh, amount of merchandise that we're carrying, you know, the, the right tackle for, for presentations that are working in the local areas, you know. So uh, I talked to some guys uh, that actually are from the gorge, you know, and they're they're going after big Lakers. And so they're using quite a bit bigger Dodgers than what we're carrying here. But the guys that are c- catching kokanee said, yeah, the sizes that we're carrying for the Dodgers are, are the perfect sizes for this local area. But if you're going to go to Jackson Lake or the Gorge or Fontenelle or some of those to go after target those bigger Lakers, you know, I always recommend, like, if you're going to fish locally uh, at a, in an area that's not local to you, stop at the local bait shop, you know, and the local sporting goods stores because they're not going to carry things that aren't relevant to their area. Right. You know, and so, you know, a lot of people say, well, well, you guys have a lot of trout. Well, we do, and we focus on the spinning part of it. We do have some fly uh, accessories, but we kind of leave that, like, the the higher-end stuff to the professionals. That's the Ugly Bug Fly Shop and North Platte Lodge and and all those guys, you know, because they're dealing with it every day. And if you want a high-end sage rod, go to them. If you break one and you need something to get you by, we're going to be, you know, a $200 and less rod. And that's a good beginner rod, but, you know, uh, stop at your local stores and see what they're selling. Uh, get on by here, too. If you have any more questions about uh, fishing of, of any sort, if it's the kokanee or salmon or trout, someone in Rocky Mountain Discount Sports can get you covered. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Sure appreciate you joining us here on Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. The show continues with another great guest. And if you have any questions for any of our guests or any of the regulars on the show, you can hit me up in our station's app. And I'll get those questions answered for you. Or if you have any topics you'd like us to cover. Uh, My next guest is Lance Carpenter, singer-songwriter, lives in Nashville, born and raised in Arkansas. And our families have a a pretty good connection not far from where my family is from. And Lance, thanks so much for being on. Thank you so much, Drew. I'm really excited to be here. Lance, it's funny that I feel like I've known you my whole life, but actually it's just been a couple of years and... Uh, our stories are really a lot alike with that Arkansas connection. It is, yeah. When we met back on Radio Tour, it was just like, you know, a close kinship, you know, with all the, the connections we had to Arkansas with our family. And so it's, it's good to find those connections, too. You've been doing the Nashville thing for a long time now, Lance. And uh, one of your first big songs was actually a huge hit for some girl. I think her name's Kelsey Ballerini. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I I moved to town in 2011 and in 2015, uh, Kelsey had her first number one song, which we co-wrote together with our friends, Josh and Forrest. It was called Love Me Like You Mean It. As a singer songwriter, how interesting or difficult or I guess appealing is it to write all these songs and then you get a song that 
it hits a home run. It's incredible. I mean, the night we wrote it, we wrote it on a Monday night eating pizza, just hanging out. We weren't planning on writing a song. Uh, Forrest was my roommate at the time, and Josh and Kelsey had just signed their first publishing deals at Black River, and we were hanging out there, and Forrest said, why don't we all just hang out? And me and Forrest were planning on writing, but he said, let's just hang out with them tonight. And I said, dude, I'll buy pizza. And, yeah, we wrote that and got to see, you know, about a year later when everybody in town passed on it because they said it wouldn't work on country radio, the label decided to let Kelsey put it out. First started seeing her play some writer's rounds. We all played the Bluebird one night, and everybody gravitated to it. And then she did some CMA, you know, fanfare stuff where before it even really got released and, you know, a room full of 20, 30 people listening to it, bobbing along. And then to see it grow into CMA Fest where there were several hundred people and then several thousand people. And I've seen her out on tour, you know, with Keith Urban, different different venues playing it. Her and Taylor Swift sang it on Taylor's tour when she came through, Taylor Swift. And to see people loving that song and singing it is just an incredible feeling. So you're saying that all those frustrating hard times are worth every penny? Absolutely, yeah. Because, I mean, we, we pour our hearts out every day into a song, sometimes two songs a day or more. And, you know, hundreds of them, you know, will never get heard by any more than your friends and your publishers or people you play it at at writer's rounds. But every once in a while, one breaks through, you know, this tough music business and, and does something pretty incredible and touches a lot of lives. And that's what that's what it's all about for me. Man, you may be living in Nashville now, but you came from small town Arkansas. You were the football player. You were the farm kid. And really, that's that's kind of what made you the songwriter and person that you are. And, and hunting was a big part of that, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I grew up on a farm in Arkansas. We had a cattle farm. You know, we had my mom's a huge Santa Gertrudis fan, but we had anything, you know, Charlay, Simitaz, Angus Limousine, you name it, we had them. And uh, me and my brother were kind of in charge of our hay operation as well, where my, my stepdad would rake and then I, or my stepdad would cut, I'd rake, and my brother would bail. And then he, he handled the round bells and I handled the square bells. And, uh, yeah, growing up, just hunting, fishing on the farm, on the river, and, and working on the farm, getting up early, and then, you know, going to bed late and sore and tired and then getting up and going to school the next day too. There's a lot of people in Nashville that write a lot of country stuff. I've even got a few friends that'll call me and be like, hey, Lance, we're writing this song, and we're talking about a cattle farm, and we knew you were on one. How would you say this? Or tell me, can you walk me through what, what working cattle means? That's and uh, I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you this, this view of it. Now, is that considered a word for a third on a song like that? You know, get a little love off of it? No. If someone calls me and just asks me how to say something, I love helping people. So if I can, you know, give them a little bit of my life to put in their songs, then, then I'm all about that. So I just said the phrase, a word for a third, and I learned that phrase from Toby Keith. And you and Toby's daughter, Crystal, have cut a couple of songs together, and really you, you got a good relationship out of it. It really did, man. I've been a fan of Toby's for as long as I can remember, and I've had a lot of people compare not only my voice but the way I look to Toby. And I just thought it would be cool to meet him someday and it was actually my manager gave me the opportunity to write uh, with Crystal Keith. One of her friends worked over at Toby's label and said, Crystal's in town writing. Would you want to write with her? I said, sure. I've never heard any of her stuff uh, other than, like, I think it was like Mockingbird or Blackbird or whatever she sang with him. But she was, you know, a kid when right. that happened. Yeah. And so we started writing and uh, we wrote a song called I Got You that she loved and she put out. And then uh, she heard uh, another song of mine that I had written with some other people and, and she recorded it. And I went into the studio when she was working with Bobby Pinson recording that, that EP. 
And I heard her voice, and I'd listened to her previous project, but the way she sounded in the studio at that point, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this girl can sing. And I had a song that was called Anyone Else that I found on a demo disc probably my second or third week when I moved to Nashville in 2011. Me and Forrest Whitehead, who's Kelsey's producer, he was my roommate, we would get comp discs from different publishers to listen to songs. And that was track one on a comp disc we heard. And I thought, man, if I ever cut a duet, I want to cut that song. That song's so good. Well, I'd already cut the music and put my vocal on the song, not knowing who I was going to have sing the other part of it. And when I heard her in the studio, I said, Crystal, I'm not trying to get this on your project. Your project's done. I'm not wanting to put it out. I just want to hear how you would sound on it. And she agreed to sing on it. And then she played it for her dad. And her dad said, this needs to be on the radio. I'm going to put it there. Who's this guy? And that's uh-huh. how I met Toby. I definitely uh, a cool part of, of your career and your story. And hunting, fishing, been a big part of your life as well. You know, small town Arkansas kids. That's what you love to do. And now that you're in Nashville, do you get a chance to hunt and fish the same as you did back in Arkansas? I do, yeah. I drive back to Arkansas and turkey hunt and deer hunt and duck hunt when we have any ducks. Uh, and then there, there's a few farms. I've made a few friends here in, in Nashville, just north of here. There's actually a, a major artist. I don't want to call him out, but that allows me to hunt on his farm out west of Nashville as well. And uh, so there's a few places I can hunt here in town. Now, when you're out in that deer stand or the duck blind or whatever you're hunting, do you get inspiration to write songs? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll have an idea hit me and I'll have to pull out my phone and like write it in my my ideas phase. And last year, me and my friend Devin Robinson, who's uh, he's a great songwriter. He owns uh, a cattle sale back in in Arkansas and we were hunting the dove thing. He goes, we ought to write us a, a hunting kind of compilation thing and i go what will we call it and he said the dove sick blues <laughs> we've never done it but we can't that day we come up with about 10 or 12 song ideas that were just kind of you know funny you know parable things about dove hunting and hunting and i don't know we may get together and do that sometime but but yeah every once in a while you never know where inspiration is going to strike you Oh, you aren't kidding. Well, Lance Carpenter, go to LanceCarpenterMusic.com or follow him on all of his social media. He's got a lot of great stuff that you'll want to find out about, hunting, fishing, building, just loving life in general. Man, I do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Lance, for joining me. Man, thank you so much. And uh, I've got a song, uh, well, I'll talk about two real songs real quick. I've got a song as an artist coming out called She's Looking Like I'm Lonely. And to stay on the lonely theme, I wrote a song uh, with two amazing writers in town, Allie Dunn and Aaron Grand. And Aaron Grand is an incredible artist. And she recorded this song. And it's news are out there looking for some new music. Definitely check out those two. Awesome. Lance Carpenter, thank you so much for joining us. Get over to LanceCarpenterMusic.com or follow him, Lance Carpenter, on all social media. Thanks again, buddy. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors.